type when you tiptoe. When you tiptoe, she is Sunday. We are Capital FM Moscow. Hi, this is Ollie Knight. This is Eli T. I'm Diana Shah. Nikki stay here. Capital Breakfast Show. It's Dina Mount joined by DJ Talish and we are Double Trouble, you know. Capital Sports. I am Alan Moore. Welcome to the best hour of sports in Russia. Capital Stand Up with Steve Foreman. My friend told me about you last week. Capital Top 20. Hi guys, this is DJ Stan Williams from the Top 20 Countdown. Everybody put your hands up. Capital Top Tim Kristoff. DJ Miller. DJ Hyper. DJ Lil M. For all who want to hear more. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Armin Van Buren on Capital FM Moscow. The one and only English-speaking station in Moscow. 105.3. The latest news now. Moscow's only English-speaking hit music station. Capital FM. News. Russian Mission Control has successfully adjusted the orbit of the International Space Station using its power module. The orbit adjustment took nearly two minutes, pushing the station out a further 400 meters. The correction will make it easier for a Soyuz MS-07 spacecraft to arrive at the ISS in June. Moscow Mayor Sergei Sabin says the capital's authorities are not considering charging drivers for entering the city center. The official claimed that current measures in the form of paid parking and development of public transport are enough to avoid a collapse on the city's roads. About 3.7 million vehicles drive in Moscow every day. Moscow authorities expect up to 23 million tourists in the Russian capital this year. In 2017, over 21 and a half million tourists visited the city, including nearly 5 million foreigners. Earlier, the Wall Street Journal put Moscow among the top five most popular international destinations for the Christmas holidays. Forecasters predict up to a third of Moscow's average monthly snowfall could hit the city on Thursday. The norm for March is 34 millimeters. Weathermen say it's going to get chillier in Moscow by the end of the week. Nighttime temperatures around minus 20 degrees Celsius are expected in the capital on Saturday. And finally, the euro has added 37 kopecks against the Russian currency, with the dollar remaining stable. The official exchange rate for Thursday for a dollar is 56.94 rubles. One euro will cost 70.53. Rated 4 out of 10 on Moscow's roads, according to our interactive map. Driving time to the Medirva airport from the city center is around 80 minutes and about an hour to get back into central Moscow. You'll spend about 75 minutes on your way to and from Trimitiva airport, while driving time to Vnukova is around 50 minutes each way. Weather. 
Two degrees Celsius in Oslo, 17 in Tehran, 26 in Doha. They have a cascade, occasional snow showers, and up to minus four degrees Celsius are expected in Moscow tomorrow. That's about 28 Fahrenheit. That's all from me this hour. Dmitry Shurga in the studio. I'll be back soon. With Alan Moore. It's Wednesday night, 8 o'clock in Moscow, and I hope you folks didn't miss us too much. It's Alan Moore. And Ekaterina Bichkova. We're Capital Sports on Moscow's Capital FM. We have a super show, news from home and abroad, and a Russian exclusive interview. Well, more than one, but one main one tonight. That's true, yes. Uh, as well as the usual news, reviews, previews, and interviews, we'll have a snippet of an interview we took with uh, Paul Kimmich last week in Ireland, plus a full interview with former Arsenal starlet and now manager of the most successful and famous club in Ireland, Shamrock. Grovers. Then, of course, is Stephen Bradley, who learned his trade from Arsene Wenger, who might soon be calling his former student to look for a job. And we have a big weekend of rugby coming too, and a Grand Slam to be decided on Saturday. That is correct. <laughs> a big, big match on Saturday for Ireland and for England as well. Um, but speaking of managers under pressures, we'll chat about Jose Mourinho um, a little bit later on with Danny Armstrong. He's on with us. Uh, of course, Mourinho has been called out by Man United fans after last night's loss to Sevilla. We'll look back at recent results in the English and Russian Premier Leagues as well as the Champions and Europa League. The Europa League is where we'll be tomorrow night and you can join us too at the Erdé Arena to see if Lokomotiv can turn around three goals deficit against Spanish Giants Atletico Madrid. Exactly, yeah. They, I mean, it was a tough loss from last week in Spain, 3-0. They really didn't get into the game at all. Yeah, but uh, when you jump from these weather conditions, you know, it's exactly, also tough. Exactly, exactly. And they went from Turkey across. Actually, it was funny because on when I was uh, flying home last week, uh, I met with the Kazanka team, who is the yeah. locomotive reserve team, and had a great chat with Dmitry Sitchov, who is a fan of Capital FM, and he'd be listening to the show tonight. Oh, it's so sweet. There you go. It's great. We have listeners <laughs> all around the place. Actually, and I want to say, a quick hello to a very regular listener of ours in England, uh, Steve Chapman, because we're actually we have listeners from I think it's forty countries around the world right now. That's amazing. Yeah, exactly. For a little sports show, well, the biggest sports show made on Europe. But anyway, okay. So first, the Russian Premier League. We warned that by not beating Lokomotiv, it would be a real headache for Spartak, and it has proved thus. With the results. Uh, elsewhere kind of like um, not helping out the nil-nil draw between the two so- the sides two weeks ago have really hit Spartak's return to form we'll ask Danny about that in the third segment of course so Spartak they are out of Europe and now it looks like they're out of the title race they're going to have to fight for a second spot uh, well second or third spot with Siska now Lokomotiv they won 2-0 the weekend in Yekaterinburg against Ural Zenit they have dropped four points in the first two games back after the winter break and Krasnodar couldn't beat Dinamo Siska they won at the weekend So it's a fight between them and Spartak for the second Champions League spot. So you're saying Lokomotiv have the League One? Well, I kind of am and I am. Well, look, I am. Look, I mean, there are eight games yeah, to explain, go. Explain, please. I will. I'll try. I'll try. Um, there are eight games to go. Uh, Zenit, they're down to fifth. Krasnodar, they're doing what Krasnodar do and they always fall apart this part of the season. Lokomotiv, they're eight points ahead of uh, Spartak and Siska who are level, uh, level on points in second place. Now, if Loco, if they beat Akhmar Grozny on Sunday out at the Erzade Arena, they are putting serious pressure on Siska and Zenit to win next Wednesday in, the, in that uh, round of games as well. So, you know, I cannot see past Loco right now. Um, they could melt down that is true uh, though once they get Europe out of the way which you know, they might be going out tomorrow night uh, they'll be in a very very good spot 
Well, as Alan said, it's Loco and Ahmad on Sunday. Kickoff is at 7.30 p.m. out at the RGD Arena. We'll be there as always. So join us. <laughs> Before that, Spartak I away to Rubin on Saturday. You said two weeks ago that is dangerous, by the way. It is, yeah. You're right. I did say that Spartak could drop points out in Kazan. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's not going to be easy for them at all. And I think, Rubin, they, they, they have enough in them to get a point out of this game. Uh, and if they do... And should local win on Sunday, then they are 10 points ahead of Spartak. Okay, at 7.30 next Wednesday, there are two big matches. CSK hosts Amkar Perm and up in St. Pete's, Zenit has Dinamo as visitors. Dinamo are slowly pulling themselves out of the trouble. Exactly, yeah. The end of the first part of the season, you know, pretty well. They are 12th on 24 points, so they're just outside the relegation spots. Though, though, they will be doing very well to get a point from uh, next week because after this match, they play Arsenal 2 at home and then Siska away, and that's in the space of a week, the first week of April. Uh, now, uh, if they get three points from the next three matches, that's a good target, and it's also you know realistic. Uh, and in April, they of course have Loco at home, and then Ruben and Ska Habarovsko. It is a tough schedule, and I would reckon that if from the next six matches, if they get six points, doesn't matter how they get them, if they get six points, then they should be fairly safe. Very quick rundown on the table again. Loco top on 49 points, Spartak and CSK second on 41, Krasnodar fourth on 40, and Zenit next on 39. Dinamo is 12th on 24 points. Exactly. Now, in England, uh, where I was just two days ago, <laughs> strange on back. Lucky you! I know, so I know. I'm jealous. I know. In Oxford, of course. Oxford and so London. Jealous. Oxford just. And Luton. Oh. Terrific. Uh, where it wasn't, where it was okay. It but was not dark, there. you know, light. light yeah, jazz. it was bright and just beautiful walking in Oxford. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyway, okay, okay, okay. Okay, tell me, please. Three way <laughs> fight for second place because Man City, they are top at 80 points, 85 points, and they are champions basically since the start of the season. Okay, not even mathematical chances? Nothing, nothing at all. No, it's yeah, done. I, done, done I, also, I also checked this. Uh, schedule and I was like okay no it's done I was speaking with Rafti Allo a friend of our show uh, on Saturday in, in Dublin and you know, he just said no that's it it's done doesn't it? I think everyone's accepted they're so far ahead yeah, even if miracle happens they'd have to lose all the, all the remaining games like 3-0 yeah, at least, yeah. <laughs> at least, yeah, that's it, exactly. So it's going to be very tough for them. So now it's down for second place. It's down to Man United, Spurs and Liverpool. Uh, though saying that Spurs, they have uh, Harry Kane's injury to worry about. Um, Liverpool, they fluffed their lines against uh, United. So it, it, it looks like it'll be Manchester City and Manchester United in first and second place. Chelsea are not in the mix. They are fifth, nine points behind United. And Conte is in danger of going. He's, he's like all <laughs> the year long in danger of going. With, like, I know. And if, if they lose... Lose tonight if they don't. If they if they go out to Barcelona tonight, which could be likely in the Champions League, then I, I heard rumours when I was you know, speaking with a, a, a local journalist um, who writes with the um, the Daily Mirror, and he just said, "No, that's it. They're gone." Like Conte will be fired. Uh, you know, and so look, it's uh, it's like hundred percent. It's always like every single week. It's hundred percent. Yeah, well, so. I think so. He's, he's struggling <laughs> to hang on. Like you know, he, he wanted to wait to, to to play Mourinho, and he's played Mourinho. And, well, anyway, so he well, you know, they, they, this journalist and, and many people like even Raphael say that that uh, he's been hamstrung. Conte has been hamstrung by Roman Abramovich, the owner of Chelsea this season, and he's not been able to buy players, especially in the winter win, uh, winter transfer window is just closed. But you know, that's a really really convenient excuse. And if a team you know, if every team does badly, the blame is it's always going to find a resting place. Now, one thing that um, we were speaking a few weeks ago uh, about Roddy Collins and, and um, something that he brought to my attention is so true because I saw it in Eintracht Frankfurt as well when Jörg Berger um, left the club and Felix Maggard came in. 
uh, and it was about fitness. So the new manager comes in and goes, we're going to work on fitness because the last manager didn't do enough on fitness. Our guys are unfit. And it's like, no, you, you, you know, it's, it's this insanity. It's, a, it's the one to fall back. The players aren't fit enough. Um, the last manager wasn't good enough and so on. Yeah, yeah but you know, the, like uh, football is a little bit different game. Like, like comparing to tennis, we always compare here because... Yes, yeah, <laughs> so, well, I mean, that's... that's that happens that yeah, I'm a yeah. like, former tennis player, so I always compare these two games uh, and... Um, it's okay. It's team and individual. It's like the big, uh, the biggest <laughs> difference between these two games. But still, with the fitness uh, in tennis, it works. But it's just one person. You know, it's it doesn't work with the team game. I think it's True. more tactical. It's like hundred percent tactical. That's what I got in last half a year, <laughs> which we work here together. And it's yeah, that it is. That it is. Yeah. Uh, would you ever like just a, a question, just on the, the topic of tennis? <laughs> Do, would you ever have say a coach would come in? Like, I haven't seen it that much in tennis where a coach would come in and basically say, oh, I don't know, Sharapova's last coach was really bad. You know, he didn't do enough or she didn't do enough. Yeah, that's what happened actually a couple of weeks ago. And Jack yeah. was writing about it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so the new coach comes in and, like, we say slags off or sort of belittles or yeah. sort of discredits the work of the last coach, correct? Uh, well, not really, because this coach worked with a lot of tennis players, not only Maria Sharapova, so it's, it doesn't work like this, you know, when you say one or two things and uh, it's will, like, uh, <laughs> he will never find a job or something like that. So it depends on the person, it depends on, um, well, different things also, you know. Probably Anna, actually, check it out, I mean, yeah, yeah. probably she's right with something, but it's always, it's always easy, you know, to say from, uh, from the side. But you never know what happens with a tennis player or a, like whatever soccer like a, player, whatever. Yeah, of course. It's just it's it's all about sometimes in the head, especially when you grow up. So when you are younger, it's easy for you to listen to your coaches. You know, you're under pressure. You always want to do to do your best, and here you have to force yourself. And like actually, what was the right thing Anna said that you have to find your motivation, and this is like the most tough thing when you are like over thirty. That's true. I mean, you know, because it's. Um, for men and for women, like I mean, of course. Yeah, it's but for men, for example, everybody compares everyone to Federer, but Federer is one and only. You know, he's like only one motivated to win like twenty second Grand Slam. Exactly. <laughs> I'm not sure that Maria Sharapova won to She won. She won all four Grand Slams. So, and she is woman. You know, she has a little bit different interests. Exactly. I, well, I, I, let, let's say it's not not because she's bad sportsman. She's one of the best. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's true in tennis, and uh, it's just because this is like nature and what like and it's age and yes, it sounds strange because Venus Williams she's 38 and she's still playing. You know, she's in quarters in Indian Wells now, but still, it I don't. Well, we'll see. But yeah. she 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 is the player who need to find the motivation. That's true. Yeah, I mean, well, we'll, we'll see what's going to happen, with Maria. So uh, back on things, football for a moment. So Arsenal, <laughs> they are sixth on forty eight points. Uh, they're thirty three, a whopping thirty three points behind City, which is a very bad situation for the club and for Arsenal. Very now, I spoke with Stephen Bradley, the manager of Shamrock Rovers, uh, last week about it, and he didn't really want to comment on Arsenal in that case uh, because of the the amount of respect for him. Like he really, really has complete respect for him. So uh, we'll we'll hear that in the second part. Well, Burnley and Leicester are chasing Arsenal for sixth place and with a little luck can do it. That's true. Yeah, that is very, very true. They are chasing hard. Uh, West Brom, they're gone. They're rock bottom and eight points from safety. Uh, Stoke and Crystal Palace are sitting to support them with 20, 27 points apiece and they're not yet finished. Now, realistically, you're looking at two from Stoke, Crystal Palace, West Ham, Southampton and possibly Huddersfield Town to go down with uh, West Brom. It's interesting to see that ninth place Everton have 
37 points. I mean, they're safe, but it's so, so close. Yeah, totally, totally. It's, it's not, you know, there's no contest, contest at the top of the table, but the bottom, it is very interesting. Interesting. So tell us about the Champions League. <laughs> I didn't catch it all the last week, but Mourinho, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll talk with anybody. Uh, later, later, yeah, later, later, I know we'll this. Leave it later. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, look, we'll, we'll, start, we'll start with him. Uh, last night, you know, they were knocked out by Sevilla. They lost, yeah, they lost uh, 2-1 um, at home. Look, it wasn't bad, especially because a really good team who are one of the most competitive sides in Europe uh, for many, many years. Um, I think it's more the manner of the, the, of the defeat. And Mourinho saying afterwards in his press conference that, like, you know, it was nothing new for United to lose in Europe. Now the media have turned on him, the fans are turning and it's going to be very interesting to see what happens this summer. United, they've spent very, very heavily to get players in and they're still, what, 16, yeah, 16 points behind City. And uh, something that was asked me by Raftiello was, you know, what is the plan? You mean buying big names players rather than building up? That's it, yeah, yeah, exactly. So just like buying Pogba and so on, splashing loads of cash. And okay, they got Sanchez in relatively cheaply, but they're still paying a lot of money in salaries. Uh, pays agents a lot of money as well. Um, oh, I love this topic. Oh, Man. yeah, yeah, money, money and agents. <laughs> money, money, yes, exactly. and agents. Um, look, I like Mourinho in many ways. He is a winner, um, but I just don't think anyone who, who was going to come in after Alex Ferguson will ever match him. And I think that's where the problem lies. So what else happened in Europe? Yeah, so what else went on? Lots of things. Well, Juve, Juve, uh, they are powered by things that even Russian athletes wouldn't run from. Uh, they beat Spurs in a cracking comeback, and they're into the quarters. They're 1 0 down um, after the first half came back and 1 2 1. Um, Man City and Liverpool, they both went through. I mean, they were well ahead after the first leg, both 5 0 up. Uh, Real Madrid, they bet PSG, Paris Saint Germain, and now Neymar is saying that he wants to go play in England. Look, that loss, that could prove very, very costly indeed, as Nikita Osokin told us some weeks ago here in the show. FFP? Yeah, the <laughs> FFP, yes, your favourite uh, term. The financial fair play. They're going to send Kylian Mbappe back to Monaco unless they get rid of Neymar and a few others. They are really struggling for cash. Uh, Shakhtar, they were unlucky to lose on away goes to Roma. Paul Little, of course, was with us there the week before last, and he told us how the club are hanging on despite those massive troubles at home. There was an interesting piece, all right. So tonight we have Chelsea Barcelona that is in the Camp Nou and after a 1-1 draw for Slack, Chelsea need to score. And the Bayern Munich in Istanbul to play Besiktar, the Germans lead 5-0 after the first game. Yes, Besiktas. Anyway, uh, tomorrow. <laughs> Sorry. Actually, uh, you yeah, know how many know. times I've, I've read it like uh, online when I was checking the... Oh, the scores in the yeah, Champions League. Yeah, the scores. I know, I know Besiktas. <laughs> anyway. Uh, tomorrow, at least one Russian club, they will look to make the quarters of the Europa League. Loco have Atletico Madrid at the Erge Day, and they need to score three times, and Atletico not to score for them to progress. So it does look like the task is beyond them, because Atletico have been very impressive in Spain. CSKA in France to play Lyon. They trail 1-0, but an early goal, and they are back in that tie. Zenit look to turn their away goal into an advantage against Red Bull Leipzig. They lost 2-1 in Germany last week. Yes, now those games come tomorrow, one after the other. Local kickoff at 7, Zenit at 9 and Siska at 11 o'clock. Now, before we go to the break, we are, well, we'll tell you what the song we're going to play out with. It's one, it's, it's a classic sports song. If anyone has uh, watched the movie Remember the Titans, they'll remember that from a very, very great uh, sort of like action sequence. And it's, it's a favourite arena. This is Norman Greenbaum and Spirit in the Sky. Capital Sports with Alan Moore.
На старт! Внимание! Новая башня! Захватывающие виды и захватывающие цены. На старте продаж новой башни Нева Тауэрс. Высотные апартаменты с парком и клубной инфраструктурой от 15,8 миллионов рублей. Рассрочка на 2 года 0%. Не упустите уникальные условия. Узнайте первыми. 499-300-0303. Проектная декларация на сайте nevatowers.ru. Рассрочка предоставляется застройщикам ООО «СТ Тауэрс». With Alan Moore. So we are back. You are listening to Capital Sports on Moscow Capital FM, and we are here to ask Alan <laughs> how he was uh, like uh, doing during his vacation. Yeah, my very, very, very infrequent vacation. Well, of course, I was traveling quite a bit. I was so jealous that I was like always. I wanted to write you and ask you how you are doing, but I was like, no. <laughs> you will <laughs> no. tell me that the weather is okay and it's not minus 17. Oh, <laughs> it was great. And when I was in Frankfurt, when I had a, a, a meeting and an interview in Frankfurt on the way home, it was, I think it was plus 14 degrees and sunny. I was sitting outside drinking coffee. It was just unbelievably nice. Unbelievably. Yeah, but, but every time you had the trip with a stop, because it was Frankfurt, then Zurich, Zurich then we have... Yeah. <laughs> well, it was, it's always because I had to do some work. And of course, I was in England for a day as well. I mean, that was kind of... Cra Don't <laughs> give me those eyes. <laughs> she's like, listen, she's squinting her eyes on me right now. She's like getting very angry with me. So, um, you know, I it was, Yeah, you know, it, was, it was lovely. I mean, it was great. Getting home, I actually put on a kilo weight. Since I went home. Oh, whoa. Yeah, from food. <laughs> really. I was eating like too much like food. Like everything. Yeah, everything was put in front of me. I was eating. It was like so oh, okay. tasty. Yeah, it was like you, ha you have your right. You were at vacation. Exactly, okay. exactly. I just felt I just need to eat, you know. So I just, back to work. Exactly, back to work. Okay, so we're back to work. So basically, um, uh, we always ask, I, I'm, how are your bosses at your sporting? How, what guidance do they give you freedom to work? How, how are they? Well, I actually, I never saw anyone except like my, one, my boss, who is also like sharing the job with us, and he also commentates. So, and we have like quite good relationship, and we like you know, you're in contact. Uh, we have, like good contact. And yeah, with championat like as well, they give you. Like, I never anyway. feel that he's like kind of boss. Let's say like this. And, and it, it's cool. It's quite easy to work. In this that's way. that's good. And with championat, like you get freedom to write what you want and the whole lot. Like, no, but uh, from the other side, I understand that he's the boss and that he controls me. And uh, twice or a few times I was late or something, so they actually can even find you. But it's like you understand that this is like kind of give and take. yeah. It's you. You have uh, you need someone to control you. <laughs> I mean that that is something you do. It need should be freedom. But it should be some control. So exactly. and this is very like very very difficult age not to like not not to make a wrong step. You know exactly. Some, step the lines. Mm -hmm. Look, it is something that like you know, in in media and journalism it is difficult to get an editor who actually supports you. And I was very very fortunate when I was home. I got to interview a man who's a living legend. I mean, he's just you know an ex professional cyclist. Um, he's one of the first cyclists to actually stand up and speak out about doping in, in cycling and in sport as well in general. But especially yeah, but in cycling, cycling is like something very special. Let's well, be honest. 
Yeah, I mean, you'd have to take something to go up and down those mountains. Like yeah, I mean. but they have a lot of scandals. It's not like we're talking about something like very secret, you know? It's exactly, <laughs> and it's very easy for them to, especially in the olden days. Like, uh, well, I met with, uh, was to say, with, with Paul Kimmage, and we have a full interview with him in the next next week and the week after as well. Um, we're going to play now a snippet in just in a minute, but basically, I one of the things we began with was support from the editor because now he's working as a journalist. He's one of the best sports journalists anywhere, especially in Ireland, but around the world, he is unbelievably good. And I asked him about, like, you know, what's important in journalism. Now, we're very lucky here in Capital that our, you know, our, our directors look after us and make sure that, especially with Capital Sports, we have to support and we're able to pick music, except you, you can't pick music. But, like, we can basically do <laughs> Once. Once. That's enough. One strike and you're out. No. But basically. It doesn't work like this. That's. I'm oh, sorry. Everybody has it. Like, no, all you uh, know decided that's it. So, um, so basically, uh, it, to start off the interview with Paul, and we'll play a little clip of it now. Um, I asked him about the support of the, the um, having a good editor to back you up. There's a pressure. There is a pressure there. I mean, I can, let's, to break it down very simply, Alan, I can only be the journalist I can be with a good editor. If I hadn't had a good editor in 1996, I don't know, Sullivan, at the time of the Michelle Smith story. Mm-hmm. If I hadn't had a good editor in, in 1990 with Vincent Brown, who decided he was going to take the extract of, of Rough Ride and blow them all over the uh, Sunday Tribune for three weeks, I would be nothing. I would be nothing. You cannot work in this business unless you get the support of an editor. Now, I mean, Rough Ride, as you mentioned, was the book that he brought out. Uh, an absolute fabulous read. I recommend anyone, if you can get it online, like read, I've read it, I, it actually opened my mind up in, 1990, in 1991 when I read it. It was unbelievably good. Uh, when he mentioned about Michelle Smith, the Bruin, that was a, a great Irish swimmer. Well, she was an Irish swimmer who, who won four golds and a bronze in the 1996 Olympics. Uh, she subsequently uh, was banned for tampering with uh, doping tests and so on. But, you know, uh, he asked questions about it right away then how this person improved so quickly so rapidly when they weren't a, a, a world rated uh, swimmer at the time um, so you know you know speaking with Paul was opened my eyes in terms of um, what we can do with sport and also Russia's place in the world and the world of sports and like you know he's very very strong opinions and we'll, we'll, we'll play an end or another teaser later on or in the in the third segment because like um, I think everyone will need to hear so like next the next two weeks we're going to have this you know brilliant brilliant journalist a brilliant brilliant man and he's going to have a chat with us however I also took in quite a few other sports as well and I paid a visit to Shamrock Rovers a club that you know I did some work with many many years ago and I spoke with the manager Stephen Bradley at his press conference on Wednesday. Now Rovers, I just have to say in a preface, are the kind of the sexy club in Ireland. They're kind of like the Spartak Moscow of Ireland or maybe you know Spartak and Shamrock Rovers of Russia they're the most successful club they're the most dynamic club and they were basically 15 minutes fence lovers club yeah exactly (laughs) and they were 15 minutes from going out of business 15 minutes and a family uh, basically sold their car for cash to pay the debts that were owed so they're 15 minutes the judge is about to rule to put them out of business they stayed in business the fans took over the whole club the fans still run the club uh, they qualified for the Europa League they played Ruby Kazan Tottenham Hotspur and I think it was Olympiacos so this is a club that came like we're basically gone finished done dead no home no nothing but the fans saved it and it's a, now a community club um, so I spoke with the manager Stephen Bradley sorry you were going to jump in no 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 I wanted to ask how, how it worked actually when it's first like almost disappeared and then was the support of fans Basically, what happens is yeah. it, the fans took over funding the club, supporting the club. So what they were doing was they were paying it was forty euros every month 
every fan. There was 400 fans. So that money kept the club alive. That was the minimum to need. Oh, then, that's quite exactly, a good story. Exactly. I mean, like it, a fairy tale, you know, for that. <laughs> completely. For I, the club. I, exactly. I did a presentation of this three weeks or two weeks ago in the, uh, the Russian State Social University in the economics faculty. And I made a presentation about how Shamrock Rovers rescued the club and now how they're so successful. So, um, I mean, it, look, we'll, we'll actually speak with uh, the so many people from Shamrock Rovers in a couple of weeks because really it can be done in Russia but maybe at a different scale because did you, did you talk with the players? yeah yeah. But I met mine the players as well and the former coach the first coach who came in when they moved but what is their attitude uh, to, to this uh, situation I mean probably the players should feel a little bit different than all the others they do they do because they kind of they have um, this you know connection with uh, they have a connection with the, with the club and the community and um, they they do feel under pressure, and that's something that we're going to we're, like. We're going to play the clip now for with uh, Stephen Bradley. So uh, I asked him about like the pressures that are on him as a as a manager because this is a guy who came from Arsenal, who who played Middlesbrough. He was like a top top professional in England. He came home to manage his kind of uh, his neighbourhood club. So I asked him, you know, how you know how are things with the club right now? Not a fan. These fans uh, expect expect to win things. They expect to be up to top because they've been brought up in that. Uh, they're the great teams of the 80s, 70s, 80s. They won everything inside, and that's what they're accustomed to. Uh, but we need to understand since then it hasn't been success every year, and uh, it takes time to, to go and build teams to win things. Like I said, I understand where they're coming from. I understand I've brought up around the area. I get it. But we need to uh, be realistic as well. What we're trying to do. Listen, last year's Spartak Moscow, they won the league after a 16-year gap. And their fans are the same. I mean, if the team doesn't win, they wreck the stadium. Thankfully, Rovers fans don't do that here. So it's only eight years since the last, well, eight, since the last league title. So be, every eight years you win, as you're saying. But listen, how important is it for, say, for Rovers to be just in Europe every single year, to be fighting there, not just from the financial point of view, but from the image as well? No, we need to compete. I'm not, I'm not trying to get away from or make excuses that we don't need to compete. I'm fully aware if we're sitting sixth come the end of the season I'm out of a job I get that I'm not trying to say anything different uh, but in terms of everyone outside talking about winning leagues and, and everything else it takes time to do that and like I said I think the average of since the, since the great teams is, I could be wrong it's seven, eight, nine years it's in around there and this is our second season so we just need to like I said recognise where we are and what we're trying to do uh, that's not making excuses or trying to say uh, trying to avoid myself time that's just call hard facts now that's you know Stephen Bradley is uh, 33 years of age you know he, he started his career he finished uh, was five years ago with uh, Limerick in the League of Ireland he played with Arsenal Dunfermline he was in Falkirk as well and he's, he's played for our, the Irish U team and the under 21 so uh, he's very very young he, I think he, can, he became the youngest manager last year when he took over uh, what he was yeah, yeah, and I mean, he, he and he's a really young guy, very, very clever guy as well. So uh, the reason I mentioned Europe was um, because earlier on in the press conference, a full press conference, I asked like, you know, what's more important to win the league or to win in Europe? And the players were saying, no, win the league. But then the club were saying, well, Europe, if we do well in Europe, it means more money for us. So uh, it's, you know, it, there's a different motivation. It's always what, different. What did you gain from playing in Arsenal, going through the system? What, what did you get now that you're able to put into your uh, managerial career? 
I got a, an unbelievable education in, in football in terms of uh, how to see the game, how to uh, play the game differently. Because like back then when I went to Arsenal, the game was only played one way in England and Ireland, and the manager back then brought a to- totally different philosophy to the club, both on and off the pitch. And uh, for me, as a young kid, seeing that growing up was something that has never left me, and uh, I put a massive hunger in, in me to be to be a, a manager, head coach, whatever it is, coach at a very young age, like you know. So um, yeah, me. me Football, um, my football education for me was second to none. Like, you know, when I was growing up, I couldn't ask for a better place to go and and, and learn. Well, that was uh, when I asked him about Arsene Wenger, who, of course, was his mentor and coach, and still is in contact with him uh, from Arsenal. Um, sorry, you kind of you you were asking a question before we did that. Sorry, I hit the wrong button at the wrong time, or the right button at the wrong time. Um, uh, so I, I continued on to ask him about uh, the League of Ireland, where where the League of Ireland stands right now, and you know, because a number of years ago it was it was quite strong, a lot of full time players, like guys who were just only played football, didn't work part-time as well. So I asked him, like, yeah, where is the League of Ireland at right now? Um, I think the league definitely dipped uh, when the financial crisis hit. It dipped. What happened was that a lot of the older players with the more quality left the league for work reasons, commitments, and a lot of the young players came into the league uh, because salaries weren't so high and, and everything else. Um, I believe the last three years, uh, three to four years, the league has definitely come back around to being really strong again. And I believe in the next uh, three to four years it's going to get stronger than it's ever been because a lot more teams are going full-time. And uh, I believe the, the future of the league is, is bright, in my opinion. Uh, I think the crowds are up at the moment. Uh, the standard of football is up. Um, like you said, teams are, are competing well in Europe now. And um, I honestly see the league and the teams in the league in the next few years uh, getting better and stronger. I think it's, it's, a, it's a positive time for domestic football in Ireland. You know, um, Ireland a number of years ago, I mean, your clubs are going, not bust, but having serious financial problems on a regular basis, like in Russia. But the one thing in, in Ireland, which is very different in Russia, is that players will get paid. And if a club doesn't pay players, they get fired. And that's something that Alexander Zotov, who's been almost many times, is fighting for with the Footballers' Union. And it's because the Footballers' Union in Ireland are very strong. So clubs listen. Yeah, but it's almost everywhere, and also like it's almost everywhere in Europe. But yeah, I know that in Russia we don't have it anywhere. Exactly. <laughs> I spoke with a volleyball player um, who um, plays with. Uh, have you ever uh, spoken to uh, athletes? Yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah. I mean, like volley- volleyball, like, they have huge like budgets. The, f- the federation for- which disappeared, like. Literally. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's terrible, you know, it is really, really terrible. Um, and then, of course, I asked him, because, because like, if you get into, they are all going to, they'll be playing Europe, the Europa League next season, um, in 2018, or this season, 2018, 2019. Uh, so I just asked him, about, like, you know, uh, like, would he, would he fancy a trip to Russia? No, hopefully, hopefully we, uh, we get to play over there someday in terms of, again, this team in Europe. And uh, it'd be lovely to go on and, uh, Compete against the super clubs, like you said, like Zenit, and and, uh, and see where we really are. But yeah, because I mentioned about like you know uh, who like who would you like to get? So he said Zenit. Yeah. And I asked him about uh, well, what about Lokomotiv? Why? Well, I, I asked him about Lokomotiv, and he goes, he said, well, they haven't won anything for a while. So I was like, okay. I said, well, they're top of the table right now. And he goes, yeah, I know, and they're in the Europa League, but sure, yeah, who knows? So you know. Okay, we'll see. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Like they'll they'll they'll, they'll you know, hopefully you know, play Shamrock Rovers next year Shamrock Rovers when they played here in Ruby and Kazan they were so disorganised my that the, it was freezing cold it was minus 15 minus 20 the players were out without hats without gloves and just yeah. like in short t-shirts it was like oh god like you know I warned the club and the fans 
fans are wrapped up yeah they're wrapped yeah, up it's always yeah. The, yeah. like the worst <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. the worst situation is for fans always in the weather conditions like this exactly so listen we're going to go to a break um, and uh, yeah because it's kind of it's, it, it's happy we're going to have uh, Danny coming up now just after this break so we're going to play out uh, with Farrell Williams and Because I'm Happy Capital Sports with Alan Moore
DJ Talish. Dina Miles. New Capital Breakfast Show. I was a pretty stand-up kid, man. No, I was a terrible lie. kid. Oh, I were was, you? I was a terrible kid. Were you a little brat? You were <laughs> dancing in your mom's clothes, putting her makeup on, and then you break, break her toes? <laughs> Why did you say that on air? Because you said it on air a long time ago. Did I? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Weekdays 7 to 11 on Capital FM Moscow. We speak English. We play a hit. With Alan Moore. We are back for the last segment of Capital Sports on Moscow's Capital FM here tonight in uh, a very, very chilly Moscow. A, a lot chillier than it was oh, in Ireland. It got better, you know. You are lucky to come back when it was minus <laughs> was something five. Or I whatever. brought sunshine back when we went to Ireland, like I said. Like it was, oh, like it was sunny. No, no, no. By the way, it was sunny. The thing sunny. was, it was sunny, but it was very cold. It was freezing. I do, I do. It's always, it's rush, you know, it's sun and freeze. I know, I know, the land of fire and ice. Lovely day. <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah, all in one day. So, uh, basically, yeah, so we were talking earlier on about the Grand Slam. So, on Saturday, Ireland face England in the showdown to the decider. So, uh, Ireland have won Six Nations Championship. No matter what happens on the pitch on, on Saturday, Ireland have won. However, however, this will be very, very big because uh, England, they're missing a few players. They're not... No, they were kind of quite bad last week against France, uh, and it just—they don't look like they're going to actually, you know, get over the line in, in that sense. But then again, Ireland have a habit of blowing up at this stage. Um, okay, so quick question, Katarina: Are you going to watch rugby on Saturday? Uh, no, you're not going to watch it. Okay, I don't know. I, that. I don't know. Probably, <laughs> I, I don't know how the things will turn on Saturday. <laughs> well, listen, when and, is the kickoff? Oh, I think it's four o'clock. I have to go check on that. Yeah, we had to, we'll, we'll tweet it out. We'll tweet it. I know. I'll be working all day, so I'll just be watching, I'll be watching it. Okay, I'll be watching it. Um, when I was in when I was in England on Monday in Oxford on Monday, I'll just keep rubbing that in. So when I was in Oxford on Monday, um, driving by, there was like the I was going by Twickenham, going by Cheltenham because the, the Cheltenham Racing Festival starts today, the big horse festival, uh, horse racing festival, and they were saying that by Twickenham would be like traffic delays on Saturday and so on because on Saturday is St Patrick's Day. And all this week, uh, starting tonight, it's oh, Irish it's week in Russia. Bad news. Yeah, I know. Well, it's good news. It's good news. Because no, no, it's bad. <laughs> no, it's great news for We have to work on Sunday. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> well, you forgot everything. I so know, you see, I remember. Yes. Oh, God. Okay, sorry. I'm just holding my head in my hands right now. Listen, she's <laughs> like, yeah, as this is going along. So, yes, yes. So, we're, we, we have to work on Sunday. Well, don't mind. We'll have fun. Um, but on Saturday, it's good. So, on the, you can check out all the events taking place here in Moscow on irishweek.ru. So, lots coming. Like, like, lots I know, coming I have a Moscow. lot of uh, bartenders' friends in Irish pubs. Yeah, Irish pubs <laughs> be packed That's also bad luck. Packed this week. Listen, when I was in England, uh, people were asking me about, you know, is it safe to go to Russia? And that's like a serious question I got from a couple of people. I, uh, well, I, I don't know understand this question it's like I, I, it's gone insane it, it was like oh it's my, it was making me furious all the time I was is it like safe to go to I don't know Africa or whatever India I don't know well, everywhere <laughs> is it safe to go to like Barcelona you know last time well you see I think there's a lot there's a lot of play and that's what we're going to speak with uh, Danny Armstrong oh. about so we have waiting on the line so Very patient. I, so calm down it's okay <laughs> <laughs> you start a fight now with me okay so basically this is all over the uh, the well the 
well, let's say, like the attack, or supposed attack on um, one ex-Russian uh, military officer, or intelligence officer, in England and on his daughter. And now there's kind of threats that England will be pulling out of the World Cup, and they've been asking officials from England and the EU not to go to uh, Russia for the World Cup. To discuss this and more, and Jose Mourinho, of course, as well, we have a sports editor from Russia today, Danny Armstrong. Danny, how are you doing? I'm very good. How are Hello, you? Hello, Danny. Hey, how you doing? How you doing? Okay. So I haven't forgot you. I haven't forgot you. Okay. <laughs> so, Danny, listen, um, let's start with that last question first. Uh, not Mourinho, of course. You know, it's you, all you, you, my you, question. Yeah, sorry, sorry. <laughs> You've been covering the, the, this situation uh, that's developing. Uh, Theresa May gave uh, Russia 24 hours, uh, an ultimatum to answer. What's going to happen? Are England going to come here, or is it going to be just an absolute mess? Um... Yeah, well, it, it kind of goes back to those um, the comments that Boris Johnson made. That he said the uh, UK participation is not going to go ahead as planned in, uh, in the World Cup. Now, what he meant by that was was the delegates and the officials probably won't be able to go. Now, in the last sort of uh, in the last fifteen minutes or so, uh, Theresa May has actually said that there's going to be no UK officials, no UK delegates. That means Prince William's not going to be able to come to the World Cup. Um, I think it just stops there. I mean, there's a lot of hysteria about uh, the England football team not coming. I, I can't see it going that far. Um, but uh, yeah, um, in, in the last 20 minutes, we, we sort of had um, confirmation that, that Prince William is not not going to be at the tournament. But again, I, I, I don't really see what kind of um, I, I don't really see the, the, the kind of point of that. Um, I think it's just, it's just quite petty. I mean, I, I can understand that there's been diplomats. I don't really want to get in too much into the political and financial side of it, but there's diplomats that have been expelled um, from from Britain in the same um, in the same speech. But not allowing Prince William to go to the World Cup. The guy probably wants to come and see some football, so let the boy go. I mean, exactly. for goodness sake. He has to get yeah, away from so, the wife um, and kids, so you know. It. Yeah. Because I mean, like, what, what I mean. like what? What else? I mean, what else? He got to life like he's living off the state. You know, so well, like, precisely, <laughs> this is the thing. And plus, plus, um, he's, he's an Aston Villa fan, so he's used to watching rubbish football throughout the season. So he needs, he needs the summer. To they're talking, uh, you know, to sort of wash it away. <laughs> we'll talk about rubbish football in Man United now in a minute. But anyway, uh, <laughs> sorry, Danny. Uh, listen, with, with, with this as well, I mean, it, it's there was then the the rumor went out. Some guy came on and said like that uh, that Russia could in like you know give the English team poison to make them run slower. Yeah. I mean, mm. how, how, how long will this nonsense go on, Danny? I mean, can we look, uh, you know, it's not like we're back in Russia. It's just like, this is madness and hysteria. It's everywhere, yeah, yeah. by I mean, the way. Yeah, yeah, it is everywhere. I mean, it, it, this kind of, it, they've got a lot of mileage out of it, but what it now boils down to is the fact that, you know, we've had all the, the sort of doping claims um, put, put forward to the, to the Russian team. You know, we've had a lot of headlines saying um, about the, the Russian player doping cases, although they all came back negative or the, the, the Russian players doping probes in the, the previous World Cup and allegations of doping put forward to the Russian side. And now we have allegations of, of uh, giving drugs to the England side for the complete opposite effect. So now what it boils down to is the fact that Russia are being accused of having good drugs for their football team and bad drugs for the English football team. <laughs> now it's, it's, that's exactly what it boils down to. And I think judging by just that reaction there, that's how stupid it is. Um, yeah, I mean, people are getting a lot of mileage out of this thing and um, it's, it really is... Um, yeah, it's quite ludicrous. 
Yeah, and now we can jump back to Mourinho. I'm quite interested in this drama, which was all around mm-hmm. in the last two days. <laughs> this loss yeah, to yeah, Sevilla yeah. and uh, all the things about uh, his working on Russia today or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you well, think about this? Your opinion? What, my, my opinion about it? Um, I think, well, first off, from a personal point of view, I think Mourinho is a great um, addition to... Sort of RT's coverage, uh, I think is a great name. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's sort of been caught in the crossfire a little bit because I don't think he, I don't think he realised the implications of actually working for, you know, this this great demonised um, institution during the World Cup uh, because not a lot of people know the tr- you know not a lot of people know like the kind of backstory of RT and what people what a lot of people say about it. So I don't think he really he was really aware of that. Um, but yeah, that's another thing that's got a lot of mileage out of it because now he's he, he's been sort of implicated in supporting the Kremlin, and a lot of people saying the Kremlin has now you know murdered a murdered a civilian on 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 British soil. So it, it, it all comes back to that. It creates a huge sort of merry-go-round. My personal opinion is the fact that you know Mourinho coming to us is great because I just hope he doesn't get sacked before the end of the season because uh, I think I'll, <laughs> if, if, I, if I do meet him at the World Cup, it'll, it'll turn it a little bit sour. So yeah. Well, you, you, you get to meet opinion. Peter Schmeichel as well. He's working with RT as well. Yeah, yeah, but I still haven't but forgiven him for doing a cartwheel at Main Road when Manchester City scored in the derby. So uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I mean, look, t- t- talk about uh, Man. Okay, Man United first. Uh, second place is is where it's after them right now. They're out of Europe. Um, what do they need to do, Danny, to you know get up a you know to to, to really main, mount a serious title challenge next season? Um, I think it's all down to attitude. To be fair, um, if we look at the if we look at the difference between Saturday against Liverpool and last night, I think they just against Liverpool they, they attacked from the off. I mean, they didn't, they didn't let Liverpool uh, allow Liverpool to get a foothold in the game. Uh, they were physical. There were some great performances from McTominay in, in, in particular. But there were people like Lukaku, even though he didn't score, he was physical and he was he, he, he looked like he was you know he was running the back line ragged and he didn't look like he was afraid to put himself about a little bit but last night I think it was just lacking and uh, I think that's the difference it's the difference in, in, in attitude I mean you can spend as much money as you want but if you haven't got it mentally um, I think I, I think that it, it, it's lost before you even you even kick a ball because I mean that's what Manchester City as, as much as I, I don't like putting um, saying they're the yardstick it's, it's, what, it's what they are you might as well face reality so um, they're, 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 they're playing as a team and they, they, they've got the right mentality so that's Purely what we need to do, and, and how we do that, I think it, I think it does come down a lot to the manager. Okay. So, uh, yeah. I mean, no, no, that, that that's a, it is a good point. It is hard to say about City, but they have like you know um, sort of fine tuned <laughs> and, and are working as a team. Just uh, before we ask you about the Russian Premier League, Catherine wants to ask you about the Europa League tomorrow night. Yeah, we have uh, Danny. We mm-hmm. have three uh, Russian teams left in yeah. Europa League. So, how do you think who going to go through tomorrow night, and will anyone go through? <laughs> Uh, well, I'm hoping so. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm hoping um, Loco. Um, I'll, I'll be attending the Loco game. Um, so I hope I'm hoping they can go through. Obviously, from the from, from the first round, they've, they've got every opportunity to go through. But you know, Atletico, they're a very very good side. So um, yeah, I mean, it all comes down to it all comes down to that one off. Uh, I mean, it might as well be the cup final tonight. It might as well be the final game. Um, Safe guy. I think they've got a lot to do. I was at the game when. Um, Against Lyon, lost one 0 So yeah. I think um, I think they've got a real uphill 
uphill climb, uh, as have Zenit as well, but I think Zenit have, have, have also got a decent chance to go through if it's on home soil, because it's still pretty cold in St. Petersburg. Um, well, it is. <laughs> yeah. It'll but, chill the uh, boss. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, Danny, um, just on the, the Russian Premier League, just a final question before we, we let you go. Um, you know, is it done and dusted? Like, you know, can Spartak, you, I know you've a soft spot for, can they come back? Yeah. Can, they, can, can they do something, like, for the end of the season? Well, I think um, if they were going to do something, um, well, they, they, they just, I think they're, they're on a 15-game unbeaten streak now, I think that kind of needed to happen towards, like, the end of the season without a lot of um, bad results that they've suffered. I mean, because it's like, been far too many games. I mean, even not, not again the weekend, um, it, was, it was quite fortunate, um, you know, to get three points. But I think, um, I, I, I think, I think if they're going to, it'll be really, really, a really, really big ask to, to, to carry on this run until the end of the season. It looks like it's locals to lose, um, and, but it's really, really tight for second place as well. Um, and Krasnodar have come out of nowhere, and uh, Zenit still aren't out of it, even though you know, they're, they're all playing away at the weekend as well. Um, the, the three Moscow teams, and uh, I think um, I think it really does look like it really really does look like uh, Lokosta lose. But having said that, you know I'm a man who wears my heart on this on my sleeves, and I'm still hoping we can get something out of it at least. Early Sheffield football, anyway. That's yeah. good. Listen, that's the main thing. Get into the Champions League, the second spot in the minimum. Listen, Danny Armstrong, uh, sports editor with Russia today. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure, guys. Bye bye. Thanks, Danny. Bye bye. Okay, so we are now about. We're just. We're only a few seconds away, and of course, I just got a text in that 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 match for Ireland England starts at. Uh, 5.45 on Saturday so the first match Italy-Scotland that's at uh, 4.30 then 5.45 or sorry 5.45 no yeah it is 17.45 yeah (laughs) and then 8 o'clock is Wales and France exactly yeah listen we have a little last little teaser to play from Paul Kimmage I think this will get the this will get the heart racing before we go out to our song so uh, have a little listen I asked Paul about uh, Russia and fancy bears and this is what he had to say that's what when fancy bears are finding it. That, that's what fancy yeah. bears are pointing out. They're saying, "Okay, you've come into our backyard and you've shown us, you've shown the world how we do it. Let me, we're going to show the world how you do it. This is how you fucking cheat. You've seen how we cheat. Now I'm going to fucking show you how you fucking cheat." I love this. Yeah, he's he's the Irish version of Catherine and Michelle with that. I swear, and see, I was just going to go, oh my God, <laughs> it was hard work, but this is a man who actually, you know, as I said, wears his heart and sleep, this is a man who actually just tells the truth and tells it as it is, he's just absolutely brilliant. Okay, you, Katarina, thank you so much. Thank I'll, you. We'll, like, we'll, look, we'll see you tomorrow night. <laughs> and then we have to kind of like, uh, make Perfect. sure. That is true, and again on Sundays, we can't, we can't get rid of each other. Okay, so we are uh, going out to a, a pretty decent song to sort of like, uh, to warm us up for the night. Uh, we've had Farrell Williams saying that because we're happy, so I think that tomorrow Tomorrow night's going to be good for Lokomotiv, at least for one of the Moscow clubs. It's going to be a good weekend for Ireland as well, St. Patrick's Day on uh, Saturday. So, here we go. This is the Black Eyed, Fe- Black Eyed Peas, even, and I got a feeling. Capital Sports with Alan Moore. Tonight's gonna be a good night That tonight's gonna 
tonight That tonight's gonna be a good night That tonight's gonna be a good, good night I feel it That tonight's gonna be a good night That tonight's gonna be a good night That tonight's gonna be a good, good night I feel Tonight's that night Let's live it up. Let's live it up. I got my money. Hey. Let's spin it up. Let's spin it up. Go out and smash it. Smash it. Like on my go. Like on my go. Jump out that sofa. Come on. Let's get it. Oh. Fill up my cup. Drink. Mazel tov. Look at her dancing. Move it, move Just it. take it. Oh. Let's paint the town. Paint the town. We'll shut it down. Shut it down. Let's burn the roof. And then we'll do it again. Let's do it, let's do it, let's do it, let's do it, and do it, and do it, let's live it up and do it, and do it, and do it, do it, do it, do it, let's do it, let's do it, do it, let's do it, do it, do it, do it. Here we come, here we go, we gotta rock, easy come, easy go, now we on top, feel the shot, body rock, rockin' don't stop. Party every day, party every day. 